You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. In a world of iconic rips, immortal solos, the highest notes, and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is the Great Metal Standoff. Thank you very much, Boy Server Guy. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, frog, hardcore, rash, and heavy metal community. My name is Jason Evans, and this is the Great Metal Standoff, the podcast that pits music's greatest albums in track by track combat. And welcome back to Grunge Month here on the Standoff. This is our third grunge battle of the month, and I had alluded in the most recent podcast that we'd be pitting another Soundgarden album into another battle, and doing it properly by putting it up against a formidable opponent from the same time period. The Soundgarden album we chose was Bad Motorfinger, and it will be going toe-to-toe with the equally heavy and equally dingy Alice in Chains debut, Facelift. Now, I think if I didn't invite Imran of Moshpit on Sin on for this one, I think it would break his heart, as Soundgarden is arguably his favourite of the Grunge Big Four. So he'll be here to join me tearing ourselves apart over some real great tracks. Also joining us will be a previous guest on this standoff, former Moshpit EP and presenter. Her name is Ellen, and Grunge is her favourite style of rock and roll. So this is shaping up to be one passionate pod. So let's not waste any time and go straight to it. Here are the rules. Number one. Every album battle will be contested in track-by-track format by our podcast panel. Number two. Each individual panellist will select a winner of each pairing. The winning track receives a point to that individual's tally score. Number three. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panellist awards it a gold star. Luckily, we don't need that today. Thankfully, all the tracks line up. Number four, once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. Number five, if a panellist tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each. And finally, of course, the album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. And now... Let the third grunge battle begin. Facelift versus Bad Motorfinger. Roll the audio. Imran, our most passionate grunge fan here. It's good to be back, isn't it? It is amazing to be back. I'm excited for this one. This is uh, your uh, stomping grounds, arguably, because I don't. Th- I don't think I'd be able to live to see the day if you if I excluded you from a Soundgarden review. So I. Yeah, I would have been. I would have been so hurt. I don't think we would have been friends. <laughs> uh, on brand with uh, uh, local treasure versus Imran the King, doesn't it? On brand. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. That's about how it is. Yeah. Kind of but, melds uh, into real life, doesn't it? <laughs> Art imitating life. But uh, we sh- we also <laughs> should mention we need a third person. We need a deciding factor in this debate. So we're having a a return here on the Great Metal Standoff. She uh joined me for a review of American Idiot in the Black Parade, and she's a former EP here at Moshpit, and now 
occasional presenter, but she's serving the community quite well in a time of crisis. Her name is Ellen. Welcome, Ellen. Well, welcome back, I should Hello. say. Thank you. I'm very excited to be back and very keen to discuss Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. Yes, uh, we're in the middle of grunge month. Uh, you, you have always tried to tell me that grunge is your kind of favourite type of music that you play frequently. Yeah, it's like my favourite genre of music. My favourite bands are grunge bands. So yeah, very excited for grunge month. So when I pitched this particular battle to you, what was the first thing that popped in your head? I really like, I love Alice in Chains. So that was my first part of excitement. Soundgarden, I've never, like, they're not my number one favorite. Obviously, they're one of the big four, but they were like lower on the list for me, which is probably might be disappointing for you guys. <laughs> but I was excited to listen to their album and like compare it and really like get into their music. So, yeah. Imran, how do you react when I pitch facelift and bad motor thing? Because I, I was excited for this one at first. I'm getting terrified now. I've looked at the lineup. This is getting very yeah. scary very quickly. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell me about it. I, I, honest, I was very excited when you pitched this one to me because I, unlike Ellen, Bad Motor Finger and Soundgarden are my favorite grunge uh, out of the four. Like, I, I love Alice in Chains, don't get me wrong, and all of the other guys. They're fantastic, but I think Soundgarden's my favorite. And I was excited when you did this one because I'm like, hell yeah, these are two fantastic albums. Not realizing that we've got to pitch and we've got to put them against each other and actually pick which song's better. So, In our opinion, uh, I don't at know least. Why I, yeah, I don't know why I forget that each week, but now I'm, I'm <laughs> like you, I'm terrified and I don't know. I, I'm just going to make this up as I go along. I must admit, in our, just, mo- yeah. in our previous podcast, uh, Super Unknown V Audio Slave, we did with uh, White Bonsai, I like the idea of putting an asterisk next to whatever we decide. Give us yeah, a little bit of leeway. I, mm, I, I might implement that this time. Yes. What is it? What do you think of that, Ellen? Well, everything we say is just an asterisk. Our opinion will change. This is just in the moment. Fastest for fastest thought first. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Sweet. I should also just mention when I pitched this one to you specifically, Ellen. You also tried to tell me that it should be Facelift versus Nirvana's Bleach. Why just? Why did you say that initially? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The reason why I said that is because, like, well, for me personally, Nirvana and Alice in Chains are my two favorite grunge bands. So I thought that it should be both of their like first albums against each other instead of Soundgarden's third album. Ah. I thought that it would be really interesting to compare the first Nirvana album to the first Alice in Chains. Right. Because they came. They came out like Nirvana was first, and then. Alice in Chains. And they yeah, were both the, the Bleach came out late 80s, didn't it? 89. Yeah, it came out in 1989. Yeah, that's right. And then, yeah, Facelift was 91. 1990. It preceded Nevermind by a year. Oh, that's, there you go. So have we had this narrative yeah. of Nirvana leading the, the grunge movement well, all wrong? Have we had it all wrong I, from the beginning? Who knows? From from my research, I, um, I discovered that Facelift is kind of the first, like everyone kind of, uh, you, uh, hails it as the first grunge album. So I think maybe it's a people, people already knew that Facelift was a, was the first grunge album, quote unquote, but uh, Nirvana kind of put it on the map. Mm. Yeah. Well, if, if you actually like read into like the history of grunge music, Soundgarden was actually like the first grunge band to be signed yeah. by like a major label as well. Yeah, they were onto Sub Pop, wasn't it? 
Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one final bit of catch up, just because we're getting to know Ellen a little bit more. So let's just catch her up on what she would have thought on the Grunge Month podcast that we did before. So if you were on the Dirt vs. 10 vs. Nevermind podcast, Ellen, which one do you think you'd be leaning to? As like the best album? Out of the three, yes. Out of the three? That's really tough. I'm going to have to say, sorry, Pearl Jam, but <laughs> you're not in contention. It would, it's it's a hard pick between Dirt and Nevermind because I love both of those albums so much. Okay. This was a grunge-ish. Yeah. This was a bit more of a grunge-ish thing. Super Unknown by Soundgarden or Audio Slave's album? Probably Audio Slave album. Okay. And coming up later on in Grunge Month, we'll have Silverchair versus Pearl Jam, uh, Frog Stomp versus Pearl Jam, second album versus. Do you have a prediction for that? I would probably say Frog Stomp is a really great album. I mean, like, I love Pearl Jam, but, like, I think that Frog Stomp album is pretty great. And even, I'll tell you what would also be a good um, one to do would be, like, um, their second album, Freak, Freak Show would be good to like compare food for that thought is a good album. food for thought okay we've got all the admin out of the way we're welcoming back ellen to the great metal standoff i believe it is time imran uh to face our fears really that's Uh-oh. essentially what this is face our fears don don timekeeper timekeeper i really hate the fact that the first five albums are really tricky to distinguish but we need to get started mate so please ring the bell So let's begin. Facelift by Alison Chains and Bad Motor Finger by Soundgarden, the third installment of Grunge Month, starts with We Die Young versus Rusty Cage. Discuss, team. Uh, 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 uh. Ow. I feel like they're two hard songs to compare because they're both really great intro songs to albums. Yeah, these two are like the, the, per- I, the perfect intros for these albums. I, I can't imagine any other song on this album that could be a better intro. Yeah. One of them builds. It builds and builds. Like that rusty cage. Mm. Builds into the riff and then it, you're off to the races. We Die Young's very yeah. straight to the point. Oh, they're just... They're both such killer tracks. Because We Die Young is just... It's... I think it's only like two and a half minutes. It's a yep. short song. Yeah, it's a short but, one. Yeah, but it's just straight to the point. It's, you know, it's got those really threatening vocals, groovy beat, killer riff. It's amazing guitar work. Just uh, every time I listen to that song, it just makes me want to run straight through a wall. It's just amazing. And then you've got on the other side, Rusty Cage, with it, which has just got that really ominous guitar intro, followed by the just fast-paced, like you said, off to the races feels like you're just running the like running like the it, I don't know if you guys seen the video clip but they're literally like running in a forest and I imagine that every time just whenever I listen to it just running like on a path <laughs> and then you've got and you got the part where at the end where it just stops and then starts and then stops and then you've got one of the fattest breakdowns like you've ever heard I call that a momentum like, swing yeah it's I, yeah momentum swing they mean the same thing I think I'm sure they do yeah, that is one of my all-time favorite breakdowns I've ever heard in my life. It's just, it's heavy. The groove is killer. It's amazing vocals. It's, ah, uh, I can't pick yet. You guys go. I need some time. 
Ellen, what what were you, what more initial thoughts do you have on either song? So I like like I like we were saying before. I think both songs are really great intro songs to albums. Listening to Rusty Cage, um, and like really sitting down and listening to the album in full. I like I thought that that song was literally like about like breaking free and like running like. Like we, we've been saying, it's literally like the vibe that you get because it's like break my rusty cage and run. Um, but I thought that it was like a powerful start to the album and it gets you in the mood for like what's to come. Mm. And then you have um, We Die Young, which is just like a strong start. It's catchy. It's fast paced. So it's, yeah, really hard to sort of uh, decide between both of those. Joe, you know what I'll start you. I'll start everyone off, and Imran, you could tell me if this is a hot take or not. I'll start things off with "We Die Young." Yeah, I it's, see. I can't even tell you if it's a hot take yet or not because I neither I can I. No, I, I, I'm not sure. Once again, there are a lot of picks on these two that I feel yeah. like the moment we stop recording this podcast, I am going to be regretting a few decisions. Yeah, I I can feel it as well. I but. But for now, Oof. it's one nil to facelift for me. I'm taking We Die Young. Straight to the point, gritty, loved essentially everything that Imran just explained, plus with a bit of extra grit and a nice conveyance of anger. Uh, Rusty Cage. Yeah. I reckon, do you know what, Alan? I reckon uh, the guitar player, Kim Thayil, would be uh, probably in agreement with your analysis because he just described that tune, the tuning of the song specifically, just nutty, end quote. So he's probably mm. in the right same thought process as Kim. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got a fun fact about Rusty Cage. It's, it was covered by Johnny Cash. Was it really? So, yeah, in uh, 1996, which I don't think... I, I haven't listened to it. I don't think he would have kept up with the pace that Soundgarden did. I can't imagine <laughs> how he would have done that on some acoustic guitars. But I'm searching that up once we're done. Yeah, I yeah, actually want to but... listen to it. Mm. I, I might give that a listen as well that because I reckon that'd be really interesting. All right. But yeah, I uh, I think I'm going to go with Rusty Cage on this one because the ending part when it just slows down and that second groove kicks in that I it's it's just perfect. It's I, perfect. yeah, I don't know. I Okay. Yeah. I must say the fact that you were so adamant on how heavy Rusty Cage is, I reckon it's not the heaviest on bad motor finger there's heavier on it yeah we'll no. get to that eventually but i'll agree i'll agree with you on that it sets a damn good precedent next up mm. doesn't get any easier I, i'm sorry everyone doesn't get any easier man of Wait, the box has Ellen decided yet yeah i didn't oh. cast my vote my uh, my sincerest apologies <laughs> yeah i was like is jason cutting me off or my sincerest apologies <laughs> alan this After that's, the podcast that's a, Great detriment to my professionalism there. My, my, my sincerest apologies. That's okay. What do you got? Um, I want, it was hard for me to decide, but I want to give my vote to Rusty Cage for this one, which is a big step for me because I love Alice in Chains. So it was really hard to choose Rusty Cage over We Die Young, but I feel like Rusty Cage is more dynamic um, with the breakdowns that we've been discussing. So I'm going right. to give it to Rusty Cage. Okay, 1-0 to Bad Motorfinger for Imran and Ellen. It doesn't get any easier. It really doesn't. Alison oh, Chains' most famous song, Man in the Box, going up against Outshined, which is uh, easily the best song of Bad That's, Motorfinger. Yeah, 
that's that was one of the lead singles off of Bad Motor Finger as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think there was they. I think I read somewhere that they had two videos for that. Uh, one of them like only aired in like Canada or something, and apparently the the main the video that they filmed for it was in a like a steel factory mill or something, and apparently they all hated it because the director of that video at the time was doing The Unforgiven by Metallica. How mental is and that? He put, yeah, he put more time into doing The Unforgiven uh, video than he did with Outshine. So Soundgarden ended up hating the video because they didn't like. They didn't like the direction that he took because he didn't put enough effort into it. So yeah, I just I feel I sorry for Sound. Well, but... I feel sorry for Soundgarden in that instance. But when you look at how the Unforgiven turned out, I mean, let's give the yeah, director I mean, some yeah. credit there. I don't. Yeah, I don't blame him. I, yeah. I'll give him that. But yeah, but I mean, they did get two videos out of this as well. The second one apparently was in like a yellow room, which I haven't seen. That's okay. all. Like what I read was just in a, it was in a yellow room, and I'm like, that's interesting. I got a, I got quite a bit of interest in how that song was made. Apparently, you know that line, looking California, feeling Minnesota. That was mm. a legit thought that went through Cornell's head when he stared into the mirror one time. So there you go. <laughs> Based on a true oh, story, it seems. Kind of random. Yeah, who knows what's going on in that man's head. Well, it's... in essence, the song is kind of delving into the extremes of Cornell's personality. So I guess that line makes a bit more sense when you think about it that way. Then, oh mm. crap, the groove. Oh crap, the intensity. Oh, yeah. That that riff, this that sludgy, bluesy, like that's like a classic Soundgarden riff to me. That's a like it's it's got the just the essence of what Soundgarden were about in that song. It's got that odd time signature as well, um, which is like also a classic Soundgarden. Which I read as well that they don't focus on like writing songs in odd time signatures what they do is they just write it based off of feel and then figure out what it is later which i think is really interesting well damn they've got good feel uh oh yeah speaking on the outshine riff i said it last time on the super unknown podcast they probably made it even grittier when they made mailman on the next album uh Mm. but seriously just the build the tension the heavy intense verses then just that soaring pre-chorus so now you know gets mystified yeah then back into that heavy chorus that just you cannot you can't not not sing along to that everything about it is just it's it's a killer track you can't pass up a song like this it's just there's there's no one aspect of it that i can point out that's like maybe they should have done this or that's not i don't like this part better than this part everything about it just flows and it's perfect Mm. And then we've got the trouble of going to Man in the Box. Yeah, I was going to say, in contrast, Ellen, what makes Man in the Box the most famous Alice in Chains song? What makes that so quintessential of them? Yeah, I was going to say, like, all that stuff you guys are saying about our shine is true, but I I still think Man in the Box is, like, the better song here. I'm just going to put that out there. I mean, Outshined is, like, Outshined is a good song. Um, it was covered by one of your favorite bands, Jason, Stone Sour. I'm a big fan of Stone Sour. Yes, yeah. and they did cover And their cover Phenomenal was really cover. Good. I remember you like, recommended that to me, Jason. It was did. a good cover. Yeah. I feel like Man in the Box, I mean, it's such like an iconic Alice in Chains song. Um, it's like powerful. I think the pre-chorus into the chorus is great. I love the call and response in the chorus. Um, the guitar solo is great. <laughs> oh just yeah, everything about it is such a great song. Yes, and I it just, really like it gets it gets you like pumped up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it does. The, it's a song that just the groove, the riff, 
the that talk box part, which was inspired by um, "Living on a Prayer" by Bon Jovi. Funnily enough, it's it's got those like those powerful lyrics. It's catchy. It's like that chorus where like I, that's one of like Lane Staley's top vocal performances, in my opinion, is when yeah, in the 100%. chorus is like it just goes insane. He's like reaches for the stars in that one. Um, yeah, like, and like you said, the call and response with Cantrell in the background. Yeah. That solo is amazing. That I think one of the greatest uses of the wah pedal, in my opinion, like ever. I like. I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you, Alan, and say I'm going to pick Man in the Box for this one as well, purely because it like there's a reason why it is the greatest or one of the most popular Alice in Chains songs. It's because it is absolutely freaking killer. So, Alan, Alan that, that is confirmed. You're taking Man in the Box? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you, you should know this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that I would choose Man in the Box yeah. coming, coming into this. <laughs> I love them both. I'm taking out Shine. <laughs> Oh, that was. Oh, I've got a fact about. Oh, sorry, I've got a fact, fact about yeah. Man in the Box. Yes, um, apparently that wasn't going to be a single off of uh, Facelift, but Cantrell really pushed for it because the record company at the um, at the time thought it was too slow. But um, huh? Cantrell, re- yeah, Cantrell really insisted that this is a killer song. It's like it's got to be a single, and boy did he know. But also too slow. I'm pretty sure Alice in Chains have written much slower. Even oh, on yeah. this album uh, and going on. Yeah. I think everything off of their self-titled was slower than this song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably a fairly accurate sentiment, but no, yeah. I, I can't get past the outro. I love Man in the Box. I think that's that's my definitely my favorite Lane Staley era song. I'm up there with, you know, probably Rooster, Down in a Hole. They're my three from Lane Staley. But yeah, the classics. Outshine, man. Outshined is a it's a killer song. I that's a song I'll I'll always bop to. Yeah, and and just attempt to try and attempt and fail to hit those high notes. Oh yeah. (laughs) Moving on now, it once again doesn't get any easier. Sea of Sorrow versus Slaves and Bulldozers. By the way, just a score update: it's all a draw across the board. You know, Sea of Sorrow for a long time was my favorite song off of Facelift, and Going up against Slave and Bulldozers, which for a time as well was also once my favorite song of Bad Motorfinger. This, like, honestly, Jason, I don't know why you picked these two albums to go together because you're killing me. Like, you, <laughs> like, you thought Dirt versus 10 versus Nevermind was hard. I arguably this is harder. The moment I wrote, I, uh, the, moment I wrote the battlefield out, I started getting apprehensive. Don't you worry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in your, I'm sharing that boat with you. Oh. Uh, this is like, uh, you got Sea of Sorrow. It's got that really bluesy intro. It's got the piano, that slide guitar. It's, you know, it builds the, once those drums and the lyrics kick into that song, that song just go, heads straight. It just keeps going forward and just keeps building from there. Each part just kind of flows perfectly into each other and just keeps rising. And that song is just perfect in like every way. I like I I don't know how to describe Sea of Sorrow other than just it's for a classic blues song, it, like a classic rock blues inspired song, it's perfect. And then you've got a song like Slaves and Bulldozers, which is the sludgiest, fattest, like most insane feedback fueled screaming Cornell at his peak. Ah, oh, and that solo, I every time I listen to that guitar solo in that song, I imagine just Kim Thale just flying in. 
in the air with a guitar in his arms. That's like a superhero, right? Yeah, he's he's just flying through the clouds gracefully, while while he's got all that feedback and crazy distortion going. He's just gracefully flying with big angel wings going through the clouds. And Alan, do you I, share similar uh, imagery there? Um, I wouldn't quite describe it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, um, listening to Slaves and Bulldozers, I um, I thought it was really powerful, you know, like uh, when he screams, like, so bleed your heart out, there's no more rides for free, like in the chorus, um, comes very powerful each time. And it's also the longest song on the album. It is. But oh, it is doesn't, it? It, it, like, it doesn't feel like it drags though, but, which is good. Mm. And um, yeah, I never realized it. Yeah, it's like six minutes, 55 seconds. And it ends with some feedback, which carries into the next song well. So, yeah, I, I did like Slaves and Bulldozers, but I probably like Sea of Sorrow more because it's it's bold, it's catchy, it's relatable. And it's like it's another great example of, like, how good Alice in Chains um, pre-choruses flow into their choruses. And there's also mm. some subtleties in their instrumentation, especially during the chorus, that really, you know, nice hook. Head bopping. Mm. Nice oh, yeah. Hook. They've got some, that, um, my favorite part of that song by far is that drum part that leads from the first, like, little verse part where, like, right at the start, um, when the drums come in with that kind of odd groove. And then um, it goes into that part, it's like, duff, 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 duff. and then, um, uh, what's that? Lane Staley comes in with that, the, that like real big scream in the verse and it hasn't even hit the bridge or anything yet but like just from that moment like it still just hits you perfectly and you're still at the start of the song and that's amazing i like i love that part so much because it just I, like it really shows like the little subtleties and things that alice in chains adds to their songs that it's just amazing and that and that was a subtlety i didn't consider so next time i listen to that i'll be on the search for that thanks for that imran anytime all right before you give your choice, I'm going to take Slaves and Bulldogs, mostly because of the intense bass, mostly because of, now I know why you've been taking that scream. Wow. It's one of the greatest impressions I've ever heard. Uh, I reckon there's better out there. Uh, and just the manic nature of it. I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you and pick Slaves and Bulldozers as well, because I, like, I cannot resist myself a sludgy, slow doomy song that i can just slowly headbang to i i cannot resist a, a dark edgy song like that it's also another yeah. song where you can call the song dingy and it being a compliment yeah i would have to agree with that too yeah okay so with the score check ellen two one facelift in the lead imran and i two one bad motor finger in the lead i i have a feeling it's going to be like this the entire podcast yeah, it's gonna be neck and neck the whole time yeah this one was the hardest for me. Not because uh, I thought it would be Man in the Box and Outshined, but I came to a decision a bit quicker than I thought. This one is terrifying. Bleed the Freak Don't, versus uh, Jesus Christ pose. <sighs> I, I 100% agree with you that this is the worst one on here because. Yeah. Oh my God. So, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm just going to read off my notes of um, what I said about them initially at the time. I'll add in uh, later on as you guys speak, but Bleed the Freak. Darker, haunting, enchanting start. Love the chorus dynamic and the shift between the pent-up nature of the verses. Guns and Roses solo? Question mark. 
backed intro riff, slowed right down, some wailing, demented stuff going on. For Jesus Christ pose, vast de- deserty sound with some paranoid-inducing riffage. Between this and track three, how did it take until Super Unknown for Cornell to blow his voice out? It doesn't sound like the soundtrack of a mar- Oh, sorry. It does sound like the soundtrack of a martyr running away from their fate. Those hey, are my notes. Stuff in there. I still don't know what to choose, so I'm going to leave you two to debate for a bit. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll start with Bleed the Freak here. Bleed the Freak is I I don't I wouldn't say it's underrated because I think I've heard a lot of people say that this is a great song off of Facelift, and by Jove, it is. It's it's got it's got everything you want. It's got that dark ballady intro. The chorus is catchy as hell, yet still maintaining its darkness. It's got a the verse sounds like almost like it doesn't fit into the song, yet it kind of it it flows so well. I like I I don't get it, but it's amazing and just fits like fits like a glove almost. Um, that solo, I interesting take on the on the Guns and Roses uh, inspired there, Jason, because I kind of got the same kind of vibe. That bridge, um, or like the little interlude part where it just slows the heck down. Very atmospheric. It's got that little whispering in the background. I love that part. It ends, you know, climactically. It's got the, it's, that song is just, I, that song to me is like a classic Alice in Chains song. That, that, I, that I could envision on like a future, uh, like maybe not Dirt, but it's, it's, got the, it's got the remnants of like what, where Alice in Chains was going. And that to me is just perfect. It's it's amazing. And then you've got a song like Jesus Christ Pose, where holy freaking crap, that like that song, the way that was um the way that was made was it was literally just a jam in the studio. They were uh, I think Ben Shepherd, the bass player, was jamming something. And Matt Cameron, the absolute genius that he is on drums, I love that man. I'm just gonna put that out there. He he started putting it together on the drums with that with that rapid uh, weird pattern that he did on the uh, on the drums. It's super fast, super. It's just it's tight. It's perfect. Um, and yes, yeah, uh, this is a quote from Kim Thale. I remember on the making of this song, he said he had no idea what was going on during uh, the the initial jam of that song. But he, so he started adding the feedback and stuff, which is at the start of the song. Chris Cornell took a recording of that home, added lyrics and uh, and a chorus. He fitted it somehow into it, and then took it to the next day and that was like the starting of like that that pretty much was the start of that song that's how they got the song together and you can kind of hear it in the vibe of the song as well because it's frantic it's crazy it's heavy it's super fast that the lyrics and the the vocal delivery of it is super menacing especially with like the you know the power is like I'm going to be saved and the like the super loud it's just he goes nuts the oh the bridge the bridge riff the little like that that part's amazing the chorus crescendo when he just goes all the way to the peak of his uh, vocal range and then all the way down hey just the riffs in that song that everything about that song the rhythm the just the everything I, that song just hits you like an like three trucks at once three tons of bricks uh, hey? that's that's about right yeah. Yeah. Ellen? I yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm like, how how can I follow that massive uh description? <laughs> oh geez, um, the most passionate grunge fan out of all of us. I mean <laughs> I'm passionate, but I'm more passionate younger. for other bands. 
Yeah, um, I liked Jesus Christ Pose. It was like, I haven't like listened to that song like a whole lot, but um, I liked it. I thought that by this time, like we're on to the fourth song in the album. So I'm getting comfortable with the sound and the theme. I like the heavy and dark tones. It's fast paced, it's good. Um, in terms of Bleed the Freak, that song is definitely like a standout song on facelift the guitar intro the hazy guitars set the tone and the darkness um i think it's one of the greatest songs on the album i think it's like easy to listen to um and yeah i i I, like every time i listen to it i really just enjoy listening to it um i think when i saw alice in chains they did perform it and it was oh you saw them live yeah i saw alice in chains i'm so jealous I saw Alice in Chains and Red Hot Chili Peppers in the same week. Wow, when was that? Uh, like last year. <laughs> it would have been around the download Jesus. festival time. Oh, yeah, I was gonna it say, was, it it was been, downloaded yeah. last year. And then, oh, yeah, I was going to go to Peppers that and then before. I didn't and I regret it. It was so good, honestly. Like, uh, it was Alice the in was Chains well. was like the highlight of my mm. life. <laughs> it yeah, was so imagine. good. There was some amazing acts. I think Slayer was there as well and I... That was their final they tour. Were, and they I were the deeply headliner. regret that. Yeah, I deeply regret not going to that. Yeah, so Bleed the Freak is definitely. I mean, it just like I you you were saying it earlier as well that like the verses sort of feel like they don't fit, like they sort of sound a bit odd, but like it fits in really well with the song, and then like goes really well into the chorus. It's oh my god, I can't. And Jason, like I can tell solo. you. Yeah. Jason, I, I think you're having a brain aneurysm right now. I can tell you're struggling. Yeah, we're all, I think we're all struggling because we still haven't come to a final decision yet. And I think Imran's having the biggest conflict of the minute. So, Alan, what do you, what, what do you think you could say that could sway us both? Um, well, I mean, like, I feel like it's hard because I think Imran's, like, really, really loves that Soundgarden song. <laughs> um, because, I, like, think my... I also really love Bleed the Freak, though. That's the thing. Yeah. That's, that's what's... <laughs> this could probably also re- change the direction of who wins this i reckon i reckon it's that important this one mm. ah, <laughs> ellen what what do you say um i want to give my vote to bleed the freak because it's just like like we were saying before it's just such a great track honestly okay. <laughs> i mean i know that's like sums it up really surely but but like just all the things that we've been saying about it just all add up and make it such an amazing song and one of the greatest songs on that album, in my opinion. <laughs> I feel like... Josh, I think, you want to rock, paper, scissors? Who goes next? Oh, yeah, you go. No, uh, go. I'll, I'll take it because I think, I think I'm really interested because your passionate spiel's leading me to Jesus Christ pose, but in the lead up to this podcast, I was singing Bleed the Freak the most. Ah... Uh, <laughs> It's so catchy as well, like I'm, the chorus. I've been oh, yeah, leaning. Uh... Imran, great. Yep. I, I, I really do appreciate the, the, uh, the breakdown of Jesus Christ pose, but I, and I think I'm going to regret not picking it, but I'm going to take Bleed the Freak. It's, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to live that down and be happy with that because both of them are phenomenal. I, look, I don't blame you. They're both... But, this is... This would be one of my hot takes, but it's it's not because it's, they're both it's, phenomenal songs. It it's too close to call, just barely bleed the freak, mm. and that might change 
maybe even before we're finished. What are you going to say, Imran? I think purely by instinct and by nature, I have to go Jesus Christ Praise because there's no way I can pass up that song. Fully understandable, Imran. That is most definitely the hardest one off this entire battle. If if I we'll get we'll we'll get to the results as as we go along. But I think the I think the conflicted nature of these picks uh, gets a little bit easier for now. I can't remember versus face pollution. This was a bit easier for me. What was it for you, Alan? Um, yeah, I, I actually really liked, um, face pollution, to be honest with you. Um, I can't remember, wasn't really a standout track for me. I don't know if it was for you guys, but, um, I mean, like it's, it's a good song because, you know, all of them are good songs, but I thought that face pollution, I like how it is. It's kind of random. I like how there's like lots of cheering and stuff. Um, yeah. But um, the, yeah, I like the chorus. I like the lyrics of the song where it's like, I don't like feeling, feeling like you. Um, and then it has like the face pollution because it's sort of something that I feel like a lot of people can resonate with. Um, so yeah, I definitely like face pollution. And then with I Can't Remember, it gives you another showcase of Lane Staley's vocal abilities um it's just amazing voice and i also really liked the guitar solo complements the song really well yeah Mm. especially his vocals going into that lead guitar line in the in that song specifically was something i quite liked uh vocal wise lane staley i can't remember i said i said at the top man in the box is probably his best but you could make an argument for i can't remember personally i reckon that's top two top three of facelift vocally i guess yeah, well, yeah. it was it was one of my more preferred tracks. I I I'm gonna go mine right out of the gate. I can't I can't remember. I preferred much more than face pollution. Hot take. That's that's hot take. That's the first I, yeah. hot take like, of this show. Yeah, that was like the opposite of what I just said. Yeah, yeah. this one I'm actually tossing up a lot between these two because these two are like as much as they're like quite obviously filler tracks on both of these albums. They're both very like amazing songs. Like I can't remember. It's like it's like I could imagine this song as being on the self-titled Alice in Chains record. Um, it's like because it's got that really ominous feel to it. It's slow. It's got those real creepy uh, Alice uh, Lane Staley uh, vocals to it. Plus, he goes to that bit in the uh, in the bridge where he just like te- he just kicks it up another notch, and he just delivers some real powerful vocals. There's some sick riffs in it. There's like a, there's a nice little simple solo. It's like, it's a, it's a great, a great Alice in Chains track and face pollution as well. That, that song to me is just screams fun that like, it's got the, it's got the big scream at the start, at the start. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. It's got the real fast paced. Uh, it's, it's, it feels like a punky it, to me. It's like punk mixed with like jazz. Like it's, it's real crazy. It's really unpredictable. You don't know, like you never know where it's going. And I especially love the part where like it, it goes from that really weird bridge to just like with the harmonica and shit, to. I'll um, say harmonica's in that. I think it's harmonica. I from ears it's harmonica. Otherwise, like I always thought it was horns. I thought there but, was um, trumpets in it. Me. I, I always thought one of the other songs. Yeah, there's there's okay. some saxophones and trumpets in the in some other songs, but I think this one, like upon listening to it for this. Um, for this battle, I think it's a harmonica. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's like 
that bridge like is real wacky and then it just goes like all of a sudden to the face that like it just hits you and it's like it's unpredictable it's crazy i love it i and on top of that can matt cameron play any faster let me tell you like matt cameron is an absolute genius and an amazing like one of my favorite drummers of all time he's holy crap he's so good yeah i i haven't decided yet i ellen do you have a decision yeah so for this one i'm giving my vote to face pollution just because i don't know i I just really enjoyed listening to it and like imran said like they are both like the filler tracks but um yeah i just really liked face pollution i felt like i could resonate with it it's a fun song it's fast paced yeah it's just a nice track uh so that means i'm left huh yeah ah heck um I will admit, it, it, this was it was slightly easier compared to Bleed the Freak and Jesus Christ pose, but uh, I, yeah, I can I can still see it going both ways. Ooh, I think I'm gonna go with I can't remember because I like I think purely because when I f- the very first time I heard Face Pollution, I didn't like it too much. I always used to skip it, and then once I legitimately gave it a listen, it was an amazing track, but. From the get-go, when I listened to I Can't Remember, I liked that track. So I think I'm going to give it to Alice in Chains for this one, okay. which hurts. But I have to make a decision. Yeah. Alan, you and I both share the same scores. Facelift in the lead, 3-2. Imran, it's the reverse. And we're halfway through. But we're approaching Damn. the halfway mark, at least. Oof. It's neck and neck. Like I said, this, this is bordering draw territory, I would argue. Uh, but anyway, it was interesting when you said I can't remember was a bit more. Did you? Was it Ellen that said it's a bit more of a filler track? I think Imran said it. And uh, I yeah, sort of I think backed I backed him up on it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. right. Because I saw Love Hate Love a bit more of a filler track, and that's going up against somewhere. Are you serious? No way. Not re- well, not okay. necessarily. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Not a <laughs> filler track, but it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite track. Let's say that I should take. Yeah, I will. With, I will Jason, withdraw that that statement that it's a Jason. Track, but, eh. Mark this date today, <laughs> when the the twelfth of August. That is the single hottest take I have ever heard in my entire life. Love hate love. That actually hurt my feelings. That, love, that hurt me too. As, love hate love isn't as great as. I don't think I love love. I I think we're gonna remove the two loves from this song because I think I hate you right now. Okay. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like same. <laughs> I, you know, uh, Jerry Cantrell himself literally said that this song was the masterpiece of this album, and it was his favorite guitar solo and the greatest uh, showmanship of Lane Staley. I and won't. I uh, want. Uh, I don't want to cut you off, okay. but I won't fault that solo. It, I I 100% agree with Cantrell when he says that this song is the masterpiece of the album because this is my favorite song off of the album ever since from the very first listen. This song was always the track that stood out to me as the the top song. I I cannot believe you just insulted Love, Hate, Love right now. (laughs) I'm I'm personally offended. As compared to Somewhere, what do you think of that? Look, Somewhere is a great track. You know, like it, it goes hard, right? Like right from the right from the start it's got it's got a like that classic like zeppelin inspired Soundgarden feel to it the it's catchy in the in the verse it's got that really funny part in the towards the end where it's got that voice crack i love that part so good 
It's got so it's got some cool bass riffs in it. I love how at the end it kind of fades out and then comes back in, and it's just like overall it's a, it's a good track. But I think putting it up against Love Hate Love is a like you you can't compare a song like that, which is also I think off of this album a filler track, to uh, Love Hate Love, because I in terms of vocal performance, in terms of the the thickness of the of the riffs the spooky like classic Alice in Chains like real real like scary kind of uh riffs and stuff the and especially the end where um Lane Staley just soars like screams his heart out and just goes nuts with that like yeah like that part is one of the greatest parts like one of the greatest moments in all of Alice in Chains history and especially like even the part when it like fades out, there's some like guitar feedback and then it comes back in and Lane Staley just goes even harder. And it just, I don't know that, that song just really like my vote goes to that song. Obviously it's love, hate, love is just, it's the greatest song off of facelift. That's, that's all I have to say. Well, I think that Imran just summed it up really well with everything that he just said. I definitely agree. I think Love, Hate, Love is like one of the best songs, if not the best song off the album. I love everything about the song. It's a slow burn, but it's really powerful, especially with Lane's powerful voice. And it's like how he screams at the end, like Imran was saying. I really like how it also, it builds up in the choruses and then it comes back to the guitar and then builds up again through the verses. Uh, The guitar solo is great. Another fun fact is this is the longest song on Facelift. It is. Oh, very um, much it's, really? it's such a good song. I just can't believe, Jason, you just like said it was you insulting it before. Like that actually hurt my feelings. Um, if, with- it, if it helps, the, the, uh, the passionate analysis is softening my view on it. In fact, I actually, I think I've identified uh, what I had a problem with, if, if, I, if you don't mind me sharing. It was the third song in a row with a haunting intro, and I just thought it was a bit too long. But do you know what? In fairness, I think you are softening my views on it. So it's I think, it's yeah, it's 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 like the slow burn. Like it builds up. Like I yeah, I'd have to agree with you that it's the it's definitely it's. I think the one downfall of facelift, if there was a downfall to this album, is that the structure of it, in terms of how the songs are ordered, aren't like I I don't think I would have ordered it that way. Because like you're right when it's there's there's three songs in a row that are like real like it's like the real spooky kind of yeah it's the spooky songs. treacherous yeah, haunting true. intro yeah. and but that yeah. one just I think at the time when I was thinking that it was spread over six minutes I was thinking okay come on it's trundling yeah. along move on so I think that's probably why I had a little bit of a mark against it initially and do you, you know what to be honest just through this conversation you've talked me out of it take that as a moral victory you've talked me out of it because my mark against somewhere my mark against somewhere is that fade in fade out outro oh really yeah i wasn't a fan fair enough i actually thought that was interesting i thought it added it uh like another um what do you call it made the song more dynamic yeah Uh, no i particularly like that part yeah i I think it's interesting that one i also thought was too long yeah, no, I actually thought it was good how it like yeah. fades down and comes back. That's actually what I wrote was mm. positive for somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, luckily, you've talked me out of what I thought of initially. Love, hate, love it is. 
Hell yeah. That puts a uh, facelift in the lead four to two on my end. Uh, Imran, you've tied up three, three. Uh, and uh, yeah, Oh yes. And that would also mean Ellen that makes it uh four, two for facelift. We're, we're sharing scores, Ellen. We're locked in. We're telepathic <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> of course it is. Okay. This one is tricky for me. It ain't like that versus searching with good eye. We're searching with my good eye closed. This one, um, I'd like to share a fun fact before we get into it. Please is, do. Uh, the, um, the intro to searching with my good eye closed was, um, uh, this was, it was Cornell's idea to add this uh, part. He got the inspiration for that. You know how it starts off with the fade in of the, like the tremolo guitars and it's like got that little melody happening. And then suddenly you hear a voice that says, this is my good eye. Yes. Do you see a cow? And then there's yeah. a cow. Yeah. He got that inspiration from a, uh, wait, I wrote this down. It was a, uh, what's it called? It's called a CNC, which is a, like a, a kid's toy. And apparently <laughs> one day he found one and he was just messing around with it. And on this thing, it was just like, you twist the, you twist the knob and it says like, this is a cow. And it would be like, moo. And then it was like, this is a pig. And it would oink. And then apparently as he was playing with it, he twisted it. And as the voice was talking, the battery died. So it was, so it said something like, this is, and it just like went like really low because the battery died. And from that, he got the inspiration for the part where in the song where it says, the devil says, and then the really low uh, voice comes into the really high screeches and then the song kicks in. Wow. That's where he <laughs> got the inspiration. Yeah, wow. from the kid's toy. I, I love that, that is part, one of my by favorite the way, as well. That's so good. I love it too. I just I, love the like, added touch yeah. of this is what the devil sounds like. And then you just hear a roar coming through and then it's yeah, called hell yeah. screaming and the song starts. That's, I love that touch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right off the bat here, searching with my good eye uh, closed, sorry, is um, that's my all time favorite song off of this album. Okay. So my vote's automatically going to go to that over. It ain't like that, but not to discredit. It ain't like that. That is a absolutely killer riff, which I also fun fact about that as well. That riff was a like a mistake. Yes. And a, like a it was it was kind of a piss take from Cantrell, who one time got I think he got annoyed at his bandmates during rehearsal one time, and he just wanted to make some noise. So he played that over it, and they all looked at him being like, "Yo, play that again." And he played, and that's how that song kind of started. It and, ain't like that was born. <laughs> yeah. And what a what a groovy song that that song slaps. I top like, three. I love that song. Top yeah, three. I love that song so much. It, it it really hurts to put it up against Searching with My Good Eye Closed because I like it ain't like that was one of the songs that resonated with me off of um with me off of facelift, like from the first listen. Uh-huh. But searching with my good eye closed, there is no way I'm passing up a song as like as thick and like sludgy and groovy and like that that you can tell just came from those Black Sabbath inspirations and the the vocals in that song, like some of those like little runs that he does in the verse, the, the little bridge part where he just keeps going up. It's like, is it to the sky? That part where he just keeps going up and he just hits that note right at the end that just, oh, it hits like so well. And that little, I love the, um, especially the little part in the middle um, where it's like a little guitar solo. And then there's that like psychedelic bridge where he's singing through like, it sounds like he's singing through like a megaphone or something. And you can hear uh, Cornell coming in and out um like in front of that megaphone uh sound it's mm-hmm. it's really psychedelic and trippy 
And then that just builds towards the end. And the end just is like a massive jam for the whole band. Because Do you know what hear... I've written? Do you know what I've written in my notes? Kim Thayil sounds like Angus Young. Yeah. That's just what I wrote at the time from the first thoughts. I haven't, do you know what? I haven't paid too much attention of that in listen since, but that was just what I wrote in my, in my notes at the time. It got frantic towards the end. What, what do, you, yeah. do you agree with that, Ellen? Of which part, sorry? Searching with my good eye closed, like that ending solo section. I, I thought at least got quite frantic. And it also, yeah, a little bit of twang to it. I mean, like, I feel like Searching With My Good Eye Closed was actually the first time I actually listened to that song. So hearing it for the first time, when you hear, like, the animal noises and stuff, it kind of seems a bit weird. But um, I really liked it when it says the devil says and then, like, it gets into the song. Um, Yeah, I thought that it was, like, one of the slower, chill songs, like, the album needs. And um, the sounds created, like you were just saying, Jason, are really good as well. What about It Ain't Like That? It ain't like that. It didn't really stand out to me. <laughs> wow. As okay. much as some Ooh. of the other songs. Okay, why so? I mean, that is a hot take. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, like, I, it's, it's a good song, but it, it's not, it doesn't compare to like Love, Hate, Love or something like that. Um, enough. All right. Yeah, I mean, like, I did like the guitar solo. I also liked the lyrics. I thought the lyrics were relatable. Um, I mean, like, it's definitely a good song. I like the guitar sounds in the intros, in the intro, sorry. Um, but if I was to compare the two songs, I would probably say I enjoyed listening to Searching With My Good Eye Closed a bit more just because of, like, the strangeness of it is sort of, like, up my alley, so. I think, I think we're, you know what, Imran, the fact that you you told me how that intro was made by Cornell. You've made me appreciate it so much more and it's made it much, much harder for me now. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the best track. I mean, well, it's not the best track, but it like, for me personally, that is like my go-to track off of Bad Motorfinger. If I want to just like vibe. Okay. Like, it's, it's the, it's my favorite track. I, I can never pass that song up. I never skip it ever. So Ellen, I'm guessing Ellen, you're in agreement with Imran. Good eye closed is getting the the bacon for this one. Yep, that's it. What a metaphor, her taking away the bacon. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, what? what ha- <laughs> this is what happens when you. This is what happens when you take the hosting seat. You adopt all these metaphors that you never use in your day to day life. Uh, <laughs> right. <That's how> it <laughs> this is so tough now. It ain't like that. That is top three off facelift for me. Top three. Okay. Can good I give eye- you something uh, uh, for searching with my good eye closed to sway you? Give it your best shot. All right. This is good. I'm, I'm, trust, I'm entrusting with you now. This is going to be a lot better than the rooster incident. Um, <laughs> Just in case anyone hasn't listened to the rooster incident. Uh, I was trying. I was really stuck between Jeremy and rooster. And I gave Imran one chance to try and sway me to pick Brewster. And the fact he gave me was a bit nonce. Yeah, this one's going to be a lot better. I guarantee it. Um, anyway, so the intro, the guitar riff, um, that is in uh, D tuning on a guitar. Okay. So that's played on the D string and the G string, but like the like, there's some finger picking on the G string, right? Right. And then once that riff kicks in, that suddenly drops to I like I I don't know I've never properly analyzed the song theoretically or before but from what my ears tell me that song drops 
um, to C. So it goes from the the second fret of the the bottom string to just open, and that's suddenly now in C. So that suddenly almost like just becomes two frets heavier on a guitar. Okay. And that just makes it all the more insane because it like, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like, it sounds like from the intro to that verse, it sounds like it flows really well, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it drops uh, like even more in tuning and like, it's the same tuning. I'm like 99% sure as mailman. Oh, that, so, that, now that's made that argument a lot more compelling now. Yeah. Our friend that, <laughs> am I willing Please, to- like, yeah, this, this I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. yeah. Facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod. Do go ahead and fact check us. Uh, good eye close. Am I willing to give it a point based off it goes from D tuning to C tuning? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I've got here in my notes that I have not covered. Because so. now, because I, I reckon I could just spite you and take it ain't like that. But uh, huh. uh I'll tr- do you know what, Imran? I'm gonna once again. If this ends up being a draw on my end, I'm gonna. This is gonna be one of the songs I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna trust your instinct on this. <laughs> I'm. If I live to regret not taking, lo- it ain't like that. It's on you, Imran. I will happily accept that burden. You'll ha- okay as long as you're happy with that. That takes it four three facelift in the lead for me. Four three for Ellen. I don't think we've deviated. Uh, I, I highly doubt we've deviated apart from maybe the first track. So that's something to behold. Mm. And Imran, 4-3, Bad Motor Finger. You know, when I first um, was uh, putting these two albums together, I was so worried that Searching With My Good Eye Closed and Love, Hate, Love was going to be put together because I knew they were both <laughs> mid-album and they're both my favourite tracks off of the, both the albums. Breathe a great big sigh of relief. Ellen, we'll start oh, yeah. with you on this next one. Sunshine versus Room a Thousand Years Wide. Right. So listening to Room a Thousand Years Wide, I thought that it was um, loud and powerful intro after the previous song. I didn't really get the tomorrow beget tomorrow thing. Um, I didn't really get that. Um I did like the saxophone and trumpet that are on the song. I thought that they they fit in nice and they complement it well. Um, so I also are we confirming right now? Sax and trombone is on this song. Trumpet, trumpet. Is what I read. I, yeah, sax and trumpet. I hear. I only hear saxophone, but um, okay. if there's yeah, I when thought I, I heard sax up, too. It said sax and trumpet. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. There you go. And um, it's also one of the few Soundgarden songs written without any input from Chris Cornell, which is fun. Yes, fact. I was going to mention um, that. That was yeah. yeah. The lyrics are written by Kim Thale. Kim Thale, and the music was written by drummer Matt Cameron, and it was also yes. the first Soundgarden song to be recorded and released with the bassist Ben Shepherd. That too, uh, yes. Yeah. Those, those were all in my notes. Yes. And then with Sunshine, um, so. Sunshine's like another, I feel like, hit song from Facelift. It's a tribute by Cantrell to his mother who died in 1987, which Cantrell struggled with. And you can, you can really see and feel that throughout the lyrics. Um, once again, I like the guitar musicality. I like the lyrics. I think that the song's um, slow but powerful. And, um, yeah, you can really feel what Cantrell is saying and going through when you listen to Sunshine. 
So that mm. was my take on those two songs. I um, find it interesting that you say that Sunshine was a hit song off the album because that was one track that I thought was more of a filler track. Wow. Which might, yeah, might be a hot take. But um, I feel like that's yeah, a hot take but, right there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But that that is not uh, th- that's not my decision yet because, like, I I researched as well the um, the lyrics to Sunshine as well, and I I didn't I never realized up until I uh, researched the like for this um, podcast that though that it was about Jerry Cantrell's mother, and um that just made me like love the song even more because I I was always like this was one of the songs that I liked off the album but like I never particularly sought out. It was like, it was a song that if, if I was listening to this album, I'd listen to it and I'd be like, yeah, this song is cool. But I, I never go out of my way to listen to it. But now that I know it's about Jerry Cantrell's mother, it kind of like adds a bit more meaning to it for me. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah, plus the fact that like right, like right at the start to me, like that first part of the verse and the, like the little bridge part, and then it goes into that second verse before it slows down, like that kind of faster part kind of sounds like a Guns N' Roses song to me and I kind of I when I first listened to this album I was kind of coming out of my Guns N' Roses phase so immediately I was like uh like one of those songs huh like a the hair metal great here we go um I don't then, even think that's the most Guns N' Roses song on this album to be honest oh yeah no it's definitely not but we'll get to that is, yeah it's, it's it's all in good time but yeah, but when it when it slows way the hell down, like in that chorus, it's sunshine, and it's got the the big harmonies. That's when it really feels like an Alice in Chains song, and that's when that's when the first half of the song really hits because you kind of realize that part kind of builds to the better part of the song. And yeah, I, like it's got that like it's a nice like simple like classic Jerry Cantrell solo. It's and for the rest of the song, it kind of just takes that slow pace. And I really like that. And yeah, it's like it's definitely one of the more underrated tracks off of the off of Facelift. I I love Sunshine like a lot. It, Sunshine for me was one of those songs that uh it was didn't really register too much on first listen, but it grew on me. It was one of those grower songs on me. Yeah, definitely. That's um that's what it was for me as well. Putting it up against Room a Thousand Years Wise Wide, which like to me is kind of the it had the same vibe of um, like kind of growing on me because at, at first listen, I wasn't too particularly fond of it. Like I liked the riff and stuff, but I was like, ah, this kind of sounds like some of the other classic, like sludgier mid-tempo songs off of this album. But Room a Thousand Years Wide, I've like grown to appreciate, especially from like right from the intro where it's just like the, that killer scream. It's got the, oh, the big, mate. Yeah. Oh, mate. That, that is a big scream. Um, it's got the it's got thick riffs. It's got it's got a very nice verse. It's it kind of delves more into Cornell's lower range, um, and you've got that the catchy like tomorrow begets tomorrow. Um, Matt Cameron in the bridge. He, like I I'm telling you, he is a genius. He's like I I cannot stress that enough. He's, Imran, he's a genius with this song. I, Imran, yeah, a thousand years wide floored me from listen number one. There you go. It's yeah, getting that's... the point hands down. <laughs> that's, I, uh, that's my yeah. end. Thousand years wide, hands down. I, 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 sunshine grew on me. I'm big, slowly becoming a fan of it. But holy crap. Thousand years wide. It, yeah. 
I think that's the heaviest, I, heaviest song on the entire album. I actually no, I'd have to disagree with you with that. Okay. It's not a hot take. It's definitely a very heavy song on the album. I it like it's fat riffs, it's and then it just amazing. It descends into utter chaos by the end with all the sacks, oh, yeah. with think, whatever the hell Cornell's yeah. doing. It just descends into complete chaos and it's just a wild ride and I loved every second of it. Mm. It's it's an amazing song. I think it's it's also as well, it's got one of the um one of the very few moments on this song where Chris Cornell just channels his like the most inner, like most primal scream that he's got and just absolutely sends it into another freaking universe. I like, I, I don't know. Like it, I think it's in like the second or third, like chorus or bridge or something, but he's just got this one particular scream where he just, he, he literally turns into another being and it's insane. Final thoughts. I, uh, where are Owen, we did you going? make a decision? I did. Thousand years wide, hands down. Ellen? My decision is sunshine. And so there was one. Oh, <laughs> uh, heck. If, um, sorry, go on, Jason. No, no, no. no. Uh, I've got nothing to say. Yes, you do. you got to come up with a decision. Uh. <laughs> I just want to paint the picture because obviously podcast equals audio. Let's just give him a little bit of a visual right now. Imran is, I've never seen a man more conflicted. I, I think, I don't know. I don't know how, but like these two out of all the songs in this album, I don't know how I'm conflicted from these two songs of all songs. The, this is probably the hardest I've had to pick from. That's saying something. Yeah, that's actually, yeah. But... I don't <laughs> Yeah, this I'm is, I'm confused as well. This is someone <laughs> who had to choose between Polly, Jeremy, and Rooster, them bones once and smells like teen spirit. And we've just had to go through Jesus Christ pose versus bleed the freak and outshine versus man in the box. Gotta love grunge. Gotta love grunge. I'm picking room a thousand years wide. Take it okay. before I change my mind. No problemo. Uh, it is official with an asterisk, of course, because uh, we, we put that disclaimer yes, at the start. Of with an asterisk. A fat asterisk on that. <laughs> I'm loving this whole asterisk secret. Let's just send our great appreciation to our previous guest, White Bonsai, for coming oh, up yeah. with that idea. Asterisk is probably... We oh. shouldn't be using it as a crutch, but we're going to in this case, aren't we? Oh, yeah. That reminds me as well, before I, um, before I forget about the previous podcast... I remember you mentioned in the last podcast, uh, you mentioned Fell in Black Days was a song that um, Chris Cornell had in mind for like a few years before he actually made it a song. Yeah. Um, there's an unreleased song on uh, off of Bad Motorfinger called Black Rain, uh-huh. which um, has lyrics that was later used in Fell in Black Days. So he, he pretty much had that song in his mind for a very long time before Super Unknown. And... Let me just say as well, if you haven't listened to Black Rain, that is a banger. That is like, if you, if you want to get the idea of what Bad Motorfinger was, listen to Black Rain. That is the epitome of like that era of Soundgarden. Don't say you don't learn anything on the Great Metal Standoff, everybody. Anyway, Put You Down versus Mind Riot. We're entering the final stretch. We can get there, guys. Let's see what you guys think. Ellen, we'll start with you. Put You Down or Mind Riot. What are you thinking? 
Well, listening to Mind Riot, I thought that, so my first thought was like the lyrics are a bit random, but that's like a lot of songs and um, I feel like you have to take them as you will. But like, as it went on, I like started to really enjoy this song a lot more. Um, I really liked the guitar and I liked the chorus. Um, and I do think that the melodies really like suit the song really nicely. So that was my initial thoughts on Mind Riot. And then Put You Down really seemed like a filler song to me. It's fast paced. It was over before you like you knew it. Um, I thought the lyrics were relatable. I was looking at the lyrics for most of these songs, you can probably tell. Um, so I did like the lyrics as well to Put You Down, but I thought that it was just like, it was very quick. Like, like I said, it was over very quickly. So. I probably would be leaning towards Mind Riot just because like when um, I thought that that actually um, joined together with like the next song um, was really good on the album and in terms of like placing of songs. Uh, I have to agree with you on the uh, on Put You Down. That was a that to me was just like a classic like you could tell Jerry Cantrell like wrote that one based off of his inspirations of like that hair metal eighties, like blues rock, like Van Halen kind of stuff. Um, and the, yeah, the, the ending of it, it stopped very unexpectedly for me. Like I, yeah, it was, yeah, it's yeah. It was, it was a very short, like quick kind of, kind of, so it, it almost felt, it didn't feel like an Alice in Chains song to me just because it was, you could tell it was inspired by more of those 80s like blue rock blues hair metal kind of bands um also to mention the um when you said the lyrics were random i i read something uh, about chris cornell saying um for this album at bad motor finger he mentioned that he wanted to make all of the lyrics like really ambiguous and like kind of like you can kind of interpret them as you as you like so all like a lot of the lyrics on it don't make sense purely because he he wrote them that way he like he kind of wanted to make them really like like you you can't really understand what's going on like i mean apart from like you like there are some there are certain songs like for example jesus christ pose where you can kind of see where he what is coming where he's coming from in that song but yeah songs like mind right for example that like i agree with you where the lyrics are a bit random and stuff i get a lot of um like early zeppelin vibes from mind right though the um early zeppelin yeah like kind of the more like led zeppelin 3 where they went kind of folky oh um, yeah kind of yeah when you and, said led zeppelin 3 the first thing that popped in my head was thinking oh so kind of like a gallows pole kind of feel maybe not yeah, that song like, specifically or, but maybe yeah i was gonna say not necessarily that song specifically but that that kind of folky like um yeah country vibe oh i'm glad you said and, country yeah. i thought it was very country-esque too yeah Yes, like especially in the chorus as well, you could hear um, like he's got he's got some very nice vocals in that song. Um, yeah, the like in the chorus, I get very big Robert Plant vibes in that song. Did you? So it, Do you know what I got? Yeah. What did you get? Roger Waters. Huh. It was weird. Like the first few lines, I thought like re- wailing, flailing Roger Waters was kind of like the sound that was being projected vocally. That. I don't know. Maybe I just saw like, Hey uh, you, like, you know, when he goes, Hey you, that kind of oh, yeah. style. Yeah. But it has I, to be like really yeah. like crying out into the pouring rain, Roger Waters, obviously not hmm. standard singing, but the melodramatic style you could say. Yeah. I, yeah, I can kind of see that. I, I think 
I think I get more Zeppelin vibes off of it more than Pink Floyd, but I can see where you're coming from. Uh, yeah, that's reassuring. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Alan, did um, you get anything similar to that, or did you have your own thing? Um, I didn't really get like Roger Waters vibes from it. Um, I would probably say more Led Zeppelin. Okay, like, <laughs> I'm yeah. on my own here then. <laughs> Damn, that's fine. Um, yeah. I think my vote for this one's going to go to Mind Riot. Sounds like all three of us are in agreement, I reckon. Because if I'm taking Mind Riot, I think that means we're all in agreement, aren't we? Yeah, I'm taking Mind Riot too. Yep. Excelente. So Is what's this that? like the first time that we've all agreed on we all ag- song? We all agreed on Love, Hate, Love and think- Good Eye Closed. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all in agreement on that one. But like I said, there's a very strong asterisk on Good Eye Closed because it was Imran's argument. That got it over the line, and I'm mm. still not sure, Imran. I'm still not sure. You can't not be sure. That's, that's yeah. the thing. It's but uh, as we head into the another argument, as we head into the final three songs, uh, we'll just do a quick score update because it's been neck and neck the entire way through. Imran and I uh, both have bad motor finger in the lead now. For myself, it's five four. Imran, it's a bit more emphatic, five three. Ellen, it's five four facelift in the lead see neck and neck neck and neck and it has been all podcast did you just say it was five four for you and then five three for me yes upon further review it's actually six three in favor of bad motor finger for imran sorry about that mathematics error it's the reason why i took general in vce but we're not here we're not here to discuss maths we're here to discuss music now we've got three tracks remaining Confusion versus Drawing Flies is the first of the final three. Let's talk about it. Because I have a hot take, I think, Imran. I reckon I'm going to anticipate this one as a hot take. Uh Uh-oh. Confusion Um, sounds like a precursor to Rooster. That, yeah, that's, that's a very hot take. I, yeah, no, that's, don't ever say that again. That's, (laughs) no. I, I was just about to say, Confusion is not one of the strongest tracks off of this album. I do not particularly like this track. It's a. You have differing opinions. I can already tell. Uh oh, it's a. Well, Confusion, it's 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 a very classic. Like it kind of sounds like a Bon Jovi song to me. It's a it's just a classic like hair metal, like eighties ballad. Like it's it's a rock ballad. It's like it's got some it's got some interesting like melodies and the the chords in it are. They rotate in like three, in like three instead of four, so it's it's kind of weird. It's very jarring, and it's interesting, but it's not interesting enough to kind of stand out to me. It just kind of it more stands out as a track of that that just sounds weird. Whereas Drawing Flies, for example, that's a song that like not that I've heard on this album before, but I can like I think of Face Pollution. And then I think of Drawing Flies. Those two are kind of similar tracks in that they're, they're fast-paced. They're, yeah, they're fast-paced. They're punky. It's got, like, the... It's got those horns in it. It's got some sick, like, big riffs. It's unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. The The lyrics in it are, like, wild and unpredictable. Like, it's almost, like, spoken word. It's Like, that song is crazy. And I, I freaking love it. Are you sure the my, lyrics... My point, are you sure the lyrics to Drawing Flies is, uh, aren't just re- repetition? Well, that, I think that's the point of this song, is that it's just, 
it like kind of keeps going. It's like a, it's like a free, a free form, like train of thought kind of thing where it's just like, he's kind of got the same thoughts going through his head and he's only got a, like it, cause this song is very short as well. It's, it's like two minutes or something. Yeah. About it's, two and a half. It's short. It's just, it's punchy. Gets to the point. It's kind of just like a free form, get to the point, train of thought, just go for it. Let's cram as much as we can in two, two and a half minutes as we can uh, into one track. And like, it's, it's crazy. I love it. I love this track so much. Um, my point's definitely going to drawing flies for this one. Ellen, where do you lie? Um, so with confusion, I thought that, um, like I did like this song, um, but it's not one of the stronger ones on the album. I did like the guitar solo towards the end. I felt like confusion, actually. I wrote that confusion. I felt like it could be like a good ending song to the album. It felt like, you know, we're sort of getting towards the end of the album. I feel like that could have been an ending song. Yeah, but with that. Yeah, like with Drawing yeah. Flies, um, it felt like another fast-paced song, like you were saying before. Um, I th- this is kind of random. I thought of this um, while you were talking. Actually, I feel like it gives like a Radiohead. <laughs> um, Drone like, flies. Creep. Yeah, no, not oh. like in terms of like the musicality, but in terms of like the lyrical content, it reminded me of um, Creep. Because oh, okay. yes, because like he's saying, um, I'm sitting here like uninvited com- yeah, company. company. I'm wallowing in my own obscenities. I share a cigarette. Share a cigarette with negativity. With negativity. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like, to me, kind of felt a bit like Radiohead creep sort of vibes. Um, I know it's really random, but um, the more that I listened to this song, the more I liked it. And like I said earlier as well, I thought that it flowed on really well from Mind Riot as in like a pairing of those two songs. I thought that they went really well together. So yeah, I definitely think that I want to give my point to drawing flies over confusion. I feel I feel like confusion was like um, he's singing about a lot of like depravities and like not good things, and he's like apathetic to it all. But I want to give mine to drawing flies. This is Jason. awkward. This is awkward. Confusion. Oh boy, what, what makes you say that? Well, I, I said it at the beginning. Actually, I really want to hear Ellen's opinion on that. When I said it sounded like what Rooster ended up being on Dirt. Did you feel that vibe at any point, like instrumentally? Um, I'd probably have to go back and listen to it again. Like now that you've said it, like that didn't really come off like straight away. It's like, a forgettable song, right? Yeah. Like it, it didn't really, yeah. it's, it's not really a standout track. It's, it's really not. It's sort of, it seems like it was, it was like a closing track getting towards the end and we need to like finish it off. It just sort of seemed bit of a filler yeah i, I won't like, argue that i won't argue that it's it's not a top five it's certainly not a top five but i i enjoyed it for what it was to be honest i thought just the the kind of like the light strumming instrumentation then it builds and it had like that i guess maybe the vocal melodies emitted that to me i just had this weird strange feeling i will it. like and give I it another listen and then I will let you know if I think it sounds like Rooster. <laughs> also, also, the people listening at home, tell me what you think. Because watch this space. Because I, it's a weird inkling I have in my head. But if I can be proven wrong, please do let me know. But no, no, seriously, I'm taking confusion. I, 
I appreciated that one for what it was. That is and a hot take. <laughs> the hot takes run wild here on Grunge Month on the Great Metal Standoff. <laughs> Uh, at least, at least, Imran, you're the one with the definitive lead at the minute, seven three to Bad Motorfinger. Where Ellen and I, it is a tie. Really? Yeah. It's a tie, five all. I I actually thought coming into this that everything would just be facelift, but when I was like listening to the yeah. albums, I genuinely like wanted to give points to Soundgarden for their songs. So it's actually been interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. That's damn. Damn, indeed. Now, <laughs> facelift. This is the point where I start thinking, what the hell is this? I know something about you versus Holy Water, and I think the spike point is going to come in on my end, but I'll let you two discuss for now. Uh-oh. Well, I agree with you with the facelift, uh, what the hell is this? Um, because I know something about you. I like My first thought was Red Hot Chili Peppers, the moment those oh, really? chords... Okay. In, yeah. Oh yeah, disco um, opening. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's got that funky kind of feel to it. And then my immediate thought after that was, what? Like, <laughs> it's probably a reason why I, they didn't take that direction going forward. Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad they didn't, to be honest. Like, but, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I know some about you. It's it's an interesting track. It's the at this like I kind of get the vibe they're going for with that funky like classic like soul kind of feel uh like at the start but the rhythm on the drums just really throw you off at the start because like the i don't know just the feel of it just is very it's it's real whack it's it it, it kind of throws you off like immediately and you kind of don't want to groove to it even though it's obviously a track you you want to groove to but yeah like that to me is just like that's one that's one of the songs as well in this album that I'm just like, it's that should not be an Alice in Chains song. It it doesn't feel right. So in fairness, I yeah. reckon you should probably forgive it a little bit because it was their first album. So you can probably forgive yeah, no, them of for course. that. But yeah, no, I I understand that like Jerry Cantrell's like biggest inspirations were like the Van Halens and the the Led Zeppelins and stuff and like those like early like hair metal mm. um like eighties kind of stuff. And he, like he did draw a lot of inspiration from that classic blues rock kind of stuff. So like, of, of course it's their first album. They're going to explore stuff like that. But I, yeah, my first point, my point's going to go to Holy Water for this one because it's just Holy, like Holy Water, even though it's not a standout track on the album, it's, it still sounds like a Soundgarden song. It's a, it's like, it's got that Sabbath type, uh like sabotage groove it's got the it's groovy the all like each distinct part of it is like memorable in its own right it's got some cool guitar solos it's like they got that reverse guitar solo at the start it's real cool and at like especially towards the end of it it's got that like it's got a switch up between the uh in the riffs and he starts singing like a verse over a different riff and i think that's really cool ellen anything to yeah. add on either song yeah, I thought that these were two of like kind of like the stranger songs to be comparing. I thought that Hot Holy Water was just 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 like the theme of it was a bit strange. Um I did like the pace of the song and I thought that the lyrics fitted well with like the musicality. Um once again, it's filled with many Cornell screams. It, it's it's got a solid ending and then it goes quiet. I thought that um, I know something about you 
that like I liked the la- the layering of the vocals in the chorus, but it kind of it's it's kind of a bit random. It seemed like a blackmail song. Like he's like saying like I know something about you, and I'm gonna tell like everyone about it. Um, I, I I did I did like the scratchy guitar solo, but it's it's it didn't really seem like a typical Alice in Chains song. It was it was very random. But like like I said, both of the songs were a bit strange in their own way. Mm. So in conclusion, Ellen, where do you reckon your allegiance will lie? I thought, I actually had to think hard about this. I had to go back and listen to Holy Water again to make my choice. But so did I'm I. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to give it to I Know Something About You just because Ooh, I liked it a little bit better than Holy Water. I just didn't really like Holy Water that much. Funny enough, I'm spiting I Know Something. I'm spiting it. Holy Water's getting the point just to spite the other. Damn. Why are you spiting uh, I Know Something About You? Uh, just not, not that I hate it, but it was a bit odd. And uh, it, was, it, it was the party song. It's the party yeah. song, I guess. Like, if, if they That's did like a that. music video for that song, it would be a love interest at a drive-in theatre soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. But uh, once again, first, I'm willing to forgive it. It's, it's cool, fine, and Dan. It's cool, fine, and Danny for what it is, but not something I'm probably going to be seeking out that frequently if I ever put a facelift song on again. Now it is time to bring this battle to an end with the final track, Real Thing versus New Damage. This is a little bit trickier. This one, honestly, like, look, Real Thing, it's a good song. It's got, you know, it's like the same kind of vibe of the classic rock blues kind of like it, do you hear the inspirations of Jerry Cantrell again? It's like, it's kind of country. You got some, you got some nice vocals from Lane Staley. It's cool. It's swingy. Uh, there's a, there's a little, the uh, right at the end of that song, they've got that bit where Lane Staley just ha- um, screams out sexual chocolate baby, which yes. is a reference. Yeah. That's a reference to the movie coming to America, which is um, there's a character that Eddie Murphy plays in it. That's in a band called sexual chocolate. Right. So that's yeah. That's why it screams that out. And look, real thing is it's it's an alright song. I, I don't mind it. That's one of the more popular songs off of Facelift that I don't mind. Nothing off of this album compares to New Damage. New Whoa, Damage okay. is the heaviest it's a bold statement. It's it may be a hot take, but New Damage is one of the most powerful, craziest, most soulful amazing like one of the greatest guitar works from kim thale i've ever heard ever you know what i wrote in my notes for that one imran yeah lead guitar parts are gritty and dirty and a bit all over the place yeah well that's that's kind of the that's that's, a compliment by the vibe of kim thale yeah no that's the vibe of kim thale is that he's he's manic he like he i don't like he doesn't care what he does he i like i've watched interviews of him where he like even live when he he does guitar stuff. He says like during the, the latest Soundgarden years, he, he would just try things in um, where he had solo parts and just like instrumental parts where he just like try new things. And no matter what happened, whether like it sounded good or it sounded bad, he just try like new things in Soundgarden songs. And I think new damage was a song where he just kind of like let loose and went crazy and just tried all he could for mm-hmm. like th- this song is predominantly a Kim Thale song to me. Like even like, like especially towards the ending when um you hear Chris Cornell just like 
go nuts. An eruption. The it is an eruption. Yeah. No pun intended, just, but eruption. No, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a like at the end, it's just everyone is just letting loose, and you just oh, it's it's insane. It's it's dirty. It's gritty. New damage, like like for me, that would get three points against real thing. Would I, it? Okay, well we'll we'll just make that official now. We'll give it one now, hey. Yeah, yeah. There you go. One point right there. I yeah. New damage. It's not the greatest song off of Bad Motorfinger, but it is. It is a song and a half. But to the point yeah. of Ellen, you ca- you got to appreciate the treachery intro to real thing. You can't fault the riffage. Escalations. In, I wrote in my notes the escalation into the pre-chorus. Can't fault it. It's a tough one for me. I don't know about you, but tough one. I mean, I feel like if I was going to give a point, I think that new damage is like what I'm leaning more towards because I felt like it was it was a solid finish. It's something that could be related to. Um, in terms of like the lyrics where he keeps on saying like the wreck is going down get out before you drown um, the musicality and instrumental fits really comfortable c- comfortably with the lyrical aspect of the song I thought it was a bit cruisy I, I, I really I, I'm a fan of like cruisy ending songs of albums uh, but it does speed up towards the end like you guys were saying um, I think it's also a good song to end the album with because it goes along with like the theme of things ending. And um, mm-hmm. I liked the guitar and like feedback finish, how you have that like screeching. Mm. Whereas with Real Thing, I just thought it was a bit like depressing, <laughs> the <laughs> subject matter. It really was about like addiction and struggling with addiction. Um, I mean, it's it's a bold ending to the album, but I feel like... Um, new damage was stronger as an ending song yeah definitely okay well then uh that leaves me to give the final point and do you know what i was very torn i might have actually gone real thing at one point but i think this conversation has reaffirmed that i think new damage is the better ending so uh, i think all three of us are in agreement there there we go and and congratulations everyone you just managed to go through facelift and bad motor finger well done everyone i cannot believe i just did that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this, do you know what, Imran, we were both on the three-way. I think this one was tougher. I honestly think it was too. I like <laughs> these two albums, like they are fantastic albums. Do, I, do you know what, before I give out the grand score, I, I legitimately thought this when I started listening to Facelift. Dirt, good album. Uh, it came third when in my grade at the end of uh, three-way, I gave it, the position it got is is what I legitimately think, but it's still a good album. But from start to finish, I would take facelift over it. I'm a bit more selective really? with, I'm really? a bit more s- selecting songs that... off dirt. I would definitely dirt. I would take hands down, but if I were to sit back, relax and listen to an Alice in Chains all the way through from Lane Staley facelift. No, I think dirt. That is... <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, that is a hot take, but I'll okay. like, I'll respect it because facelift is a good album. It's, yeah. it's a, I think they're both great albums. They're both very good, no doubt about yeah. it. But now it's time for the grand points. This is where all of the tally scores make up a grand point and we determine a winner. I'll start with myself because, you know, I'm the host. I'll get my, my score out of the way. Surprisingly, with a score to seven to five, Bad Motorfinger gets the first one. yippee Kaye, good on okay. it. Ellen, what did you predict going into this? Um, I wasn't quite sure because, like I said, 
when I first um, listened to the albums, I thought that it would be facelift hands down because I'm a bigger Alice in Chains fan. But then when I listened to Soundgarden's album, I actually really enjoyed a lot of the songs on it. So I knew that it, it would be pretty close. So I'm interested to see how it's turned out. It's not just close. It's the closest you can get. It's six apiece. Ooh. It's a draw. Tiebreaker. So, so what that means, that means that's half a point each. So Damn. currently, so currently, Imran, that would mean you could only draw. It, it, it either goes to facelift and it's a draw at one and a half or Soundgarden wins outright. So what do you reckon you got, Imran? I've got a funny feeling. I think Bad Motorfingers won this one. It was I, a hand, I had a it, feeling at the start. It's a hands-down victory to Bad Motorfinger, nine to three. So therefore, with two and a half out of there a possible go. three, Bad Motorfinger is, as chosen by us at Mosh Pit, the, the winner. And that was tough to say. That's tough to say. But it's, holy it's crap, tough, Bad Motorfinger is good. It's fair. Bad Motorfinger, like, it's, there's a reason why it's my favorite Soundgarden album. Yeah, it actually was a really good album. It's like something that I had listened to for like the first time, but I could go back and like see myself just like listening to it and chilling out. I'm definitely going to be going back and listening to a lot more of this stuff on that. It was, it was really fun discovering this stuff because like I said before going into just entering Grunge Month, before Imran started immersing me in Soundgun, the only songs I'd listen to would be Black Hole Sun and Mailman, maybe a little bit of Outshine. <laughs> So this has just been an incredible journey doing this grunge month and discovering Soundgarden on my end. And uh, there you go. It was one hell of a ride. Just just to give credit to both, even though we have bad motor fingers, winner. What do you reckon is everyone's top three off each? Top three Ooh. tracks. Um, I'll start off. Facelift, love Let's hate facelift. love, number one. Okay. Love hate love, bleed the freak, and man in the box. I. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, no, now we get conflicted no, here. No, no, get rid of Man in the Box. I changed it for We Die Young. We Die Young. No, actually, no, 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 Man in the Box. Man in the Box. Man, back to Man in the Box. If it Man helps, for me, Man in the Box, Bleed the Freak, uh, it ain't like that. I think those are my three. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. three from Facelift would be Love, Hate, Love, Bleed the Freak, and Man in the Box. So, okay, very similar to Imra. Hey, that, that's yeah. kind of cool. We're all telepathic here. Uh, yeah. bad, <laughs> bad motor finger for me. Outshined, easy, room a thousand years wide. Uh, slaves and bulldozers. Those are mine. Mm. Um, for me, Rusty Cage, uh, Jesus Christ Pose, 100%. And searching with my good eye. Good eye. Ellen? I'd say Outshined, uh, Mind Riot, and Drawing Flies. Good good picks. What a vast... Although it's hard because I did like searching with my good eye closed as well, so... Mm. What a vast range. Took, hey, yeah. I think a lot of us had our minds changed. We were very terrified going in, but we've shared a lot of laughs. And hey, you guys helped me change my mind on a few of these tracks. Still tentative on a few. We'll see how this goes uh, uh, later on. But uh, thanks for doing this one. This one was quite fun. I, I'm always yeah. happy to do these. Arguably a battle equal to or even tougher than the three-way battle that kicked off Grunge Month. We did find a winner in this battle, and that winner is Bad Motorfinger by Soundgarden.
with a white bonsai asterisk, of course, as both albums really do deserve to be loved and adored. If you were in the battlefield with me, which album would you have chosen? And do you have any other album battles to suggest to us? Get in contact. Facebook.com forward slash metal standoff pod. Now we are three battles deep into Grunge Month, covering the juggernauts of the era. Next time, as teased and as promised, we are going to see how much Australia added to the era by putting Silverchair's debut album Frogstomp up against Pearl Jam's second album, Versus. Be sure to stop by again for that. But until then, that's all we have for now. Hear from you soon. Metal up your ass!